Welcome to Scarlet Tavern. Grab a drink, take a seat, and let's begin. As our riveting exploration of Jack the Reaper reach reaches its climax, the whispers of the past echo louder than ever. In this final installment, we confront the lingering mysteries, sift through the suspects, and attempt to unveil the elusive identity that has eluded justice for over a century. Join us for the thrilling conclusion where the fog finally lifts, but the enigma of Jack the Ripper lingers on the cobbled streets of Victorian Intrigue. This is Scarlet Tavern, Mead, Murder, and More. Alright. Let's do it. So, we are back with the final installment of Jack the Ripper. Um, <clears throat> we just want to apologize to everybody for the schedule changes um, with the new campaign for D&D and just a lot of stuff going on. We've had to figure out some new scheduling stuff. So from now on, the first Saturday of every month, there will be no episode um, because we do not do D&D on the last Sunday of each month and we record that week so um the podcast we we want to take the full week off so with that that means that there will be no episode the first saturday of each month um so that's what happened last week we apologize for those that were waiting for this but we are here we are finishing out jack the ripper and then we're moving on to greener pastures mm. probably not um, Pam is no longer with us tonight. <laughs> Just kidding. She's, <laughs> she is sleeping. She's not feeling well. Um. She'll get better soon. So. Why you, <laughs> you said that? I'm like, what happened to my wife? Um. I just saw her! <laughs> but yes, so Pam is not here tonight, so we'll be finishing this without her. Um, but we could not have done this without her because no. she wrote all of this and we didn't do anything. We're, we're, um, we're, we're just the pretty faces behind this, well, this. I mean, I've One always, of us is. Well, I mean, I've always been told I have a, a face for radio. You do. Wow. Just yeah. Laughing. One of us is the voice actor. Eh, I can sing. I can no, do you voices. Cannot. No, you cannot. I know. Um. All right. Anyways, um, we're gonna go over rumors, speculations, theories, uh, stuff that people believe, different suspects that people believe it was. Obviously, we don't know who this is, so. Um, although if Grim is to be believed, it's <laughs> yeah. just a ghost. Yeah. Um, for those that don't know, we've been watching Grim, the <laughs> series on Amazon, and it's amazing show about go watch Grimm it. fairy tales. This go is not a paid it. advertisement for a show that's been canceled, but just go but see you it. Got Amazon, you can't pay us. Please. Um, actually, I don't want Jeff, Jeff Bezos money. That's dirty money. <laughs> it's like the island money. Whoa. Whoa, we went there. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's on the island. Uh, he was on the island. Um, which we will be doing a Jeffrey Epstein episode. He didn't kill himself. He did not. The Clintons did it. Or the Royals. Yeah. But, um, no, we, we just, there was an episode that they brought up Jack the Ripper and that he was a spirit that was possessing people and that the first killings that were similar to Jack the Ripper actually happened by a soldier a hundred years before the Jack the Ripper killing. So it's pretty interesting um, 
to look at it that way. Who knows? Maybe it's true. Oh no, possession's a, a real thing. There, there's definitely a lot of theories behind there. Even, uh, even I'm, some. I'm just gonna go out and say that's my theory right there. Wow, that's Jack true. the Ripper is a spirit. Yeah. Why? why there, it's the only thing that makes sense. <laughs> um, so, anyways. The murders of Jack the Ripper are one of the most famous unsolved crimes, remarkable for both their graphic brutality in the Ripper letters, discussion, and theories about the identity of the Ripper continue today. Everyone alive at the time is now long dead, I hope. Um, otherwise, there's some witchcraft there. Or vampires. Yeah. And modern authors are free to accuse anyone without any need for any supporting historical evidence. Oh, okay. uh, the cases against the early suspects fell apart either because of lack of evidence or because suspects had solid alibis. Suspects named in the contemporaneous police documents include th- include three in Sir Melville McNachthan's yeah, yeah. eighteen ninety four memorandum. Say that three times fast, Sir Max. But the evidence against each of these individuals is at best circumstantial. The concentration of killings around weekends and public holidays and within a short distance of each other has indicated to many that the Ripper was in regular employment and lived locally. Others have opined that the killer was an educated upper-class man, possibly a doctor or an aristocrat, who ventured into Whitechapel from a well-to-do area. Such theories draw on cultural perceptions such as fear of the medical profession, a mistrust of modern science or the exploitation of the poor by the rich. The savagery of the killings prompted conclusions that only the fear that only the feared other could perpetuate perpetrate such wickedness, leading a slew of prejudiced accusations against people of different ethnicities and traditions, basically Jews. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that Whitechapel was home to many Jews fueled anti-Semitic feelings at the time. Whitechapel's closeness to London docks led the police to think the killer might have been a sailor passing through or perhaps a stevedore, which is a dock worker. Um, At the time of the murders, the police investigation centered on local characters. There has been much speculation as to the identity of the killer. It has been suggested that he or she was a doctor or butcher based on the evidence of weapons and the mutilations that occurred, which showed a knowledge of human anatomy. Many theories have been put forward suggesting individuals who might be responsible. The most commonly cited suspects are Montague Druitt, a barrister and teacher with interest in surgery who is said to be insane and who disappeared after the final murders and later found dead. So he's a lawyer and a teacher. Okay. Yeah. Um, Michael Ostrong, a Russian criminal and physician who had been placed in an asylum because of his homicidal tendencies. Let's blame everything on the Russians. They deserve it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was Putin. Putin did it. Yeah, Putin tra- traveled back in time trying to find a way to defeat the Ukraine, and he ended up killing, becoming Jack the Ripper. Yeah. Aaron uh, Kosminski, a Polish Jew and a resident of Whitechapel, was known to have a great animus towards women, particularly prostitutes, and who was hospitalized in an asylum several months after the last murder. Several notable Londoners of the area, such as Walter Sickert and the physician Sir William Gole, have also also have been subjects of such speculation. Francis Tumblety was an American-born quack doctor who possessed a collection of human organs, and it was reported detested prostitutes. Hmm. Uh, Severin Klosowski was a known prisoner, but not, so far as anyone knew, a stabber or mutilator. That looks Polish. 
Yeah, it's very Polish. <laughs> um, Thomas Neil Cream, who killed young prostitutes in the nearby borough of Lambeth by giving them uh, Streichnine laced drinks, which is Strychnine? A, yeah. It's a uh, basically sedative slash poison. Um, on being hanged, uh, uh, he is said to have cried out, I am Jack the... <laughs> yeah. That's a dramatization, everybody, because... Did they gag you when they hang you? I know they blindfold you. Uh, they didn't always blindfold you. It depends. But no, they... they Typically, you had your last words. And yeah. they would, it would... Depending on where it was, they would either kick out the stool, or they had it on a... You would sit on a flat piece, and then there was a lever... Yeah, that the the floor dropped out. I can just imagine the hangman. He's what well, did he say? Oh crap! He was jacked up. <laughs> oh fuck! Um, this was highly unlikely, as at the time of the Ripper murders, Cream was in the U.S. being held near being held near Chicago in Joliet Jail, very infamous prison in American uh, yeah. penal history. And uh, <laughs> John Jack Pfizer. Oh, Pfizer. <gasps> He's behind COVID. Jack the Ripper is behind COVID. Yeah. Um, was suspected of being an unidentified malevolent prowler, nicknamed Leather Apron by the press. The media characterized this figure as Jewish, with one article noting that local women are united in the belief that he is a Jew or of Jewish parentage. One theory links the murders with Queen Victoria's grandson, Prince Albert Victor, also known as the Duke of Clarence, although the evidence is unsubstantial. Yeah, a lot of this comes from... Was, eh, well, a lot of this theory was was kind of made into a graphic novel um, from Hell, which is theory by Alan Moore, great graphic novel. I really want to get that. Um, but, yeah. Some have, been specu- some have even speculated that Jack the Ripper was actually Jill the Ripper, and female suspects include Mary Piercy, who was executed in 1890 after butchering her lover's wife and child with a carving knife in a similar manner to the notorious serial killer. I am going to put out there, this was, in my professional and personal opinion, this was not a female. There, There's too much overpowering. There would have been a lot more... Even drunk, if it's a woman against a woman, unless this was a very big woman, there would have they would have fought back. A man could have overpowered these women, but Probably. another woman, unless she's big, would not have happened. The term ripperology was coined to describe the study and an analysis of the Ripper case in an effort to determine his identity. And the murders have inspired numerous works of fiction. Oh boy, <laughs> it's almost it's. Literally, almost a subgenre of true crime. Good lord! The slangs never faded from public consciousness. However, legions of ripperologists have developed their own theories over the decades, and a lineup of possible suspects has included the father of Winston Churchill and Alice's Adventures in Wonderland author Lewis Carroll. That one I can believe. I can too. Anybody just read the original uh, Alice in Wonderland or? Uh... Peter Pan. Yeah. Just, uh... Lewis Carroll was not in his right mind. It was the acid. Um. Alright. So. Let's get into... Let's get into each individual person. Um, and then after each person, we'll kind of say yay or nay. Yeah. Of what we think. Walter Richard Sickert. 
was born on May 31st, 1860, and died of natural causes on January 22nd, 1942. Lived a good long life, yeah. especially for back then. Yeah. 18, 1860s? Oh, yeah. Lived till eight, he was 81 when he died. Uh, he was one of the most eminent British artists of his day who took inspiration from the Ripper case. He believed that he had lodged in the room once used by Jack the Ripper as his landlady suspected a previous lodger. For 70 years, no one mentioned Sickert's name in connection with the case, till an author, Stephen Knight, claimed that Sickert had been an accomplice in the murders due to information from Sickert's illegitimate son, Joseph Gorman. The theory was made famous in 2002 by crime author mm. Patricia Cornwell with a book, Portrait of a Killer. Very famous author. My, uh, believe, my grandmother was a very big fan of hers. We used to read, I, I remember... We used, when my grandmother passed, we had a just a stack of these books all the way. I never read them, but I'm told she's a very good, very well well regarded crime author. She presents Sickert, a painter ranked almost as high as Turner and Degas, as having the pathological woman hating psychology of a serial killer. Cornwell purchased 31 of Sickert's paintings in the search for DNA evidence, as well as spotting quote unquote clues in his paintings. Cornwell suggested his sexual fury stemmed in part from having a disfigured penis. That's other nice. than the claims of Cornwell and Knight, there's no other evidence that suggests that Sickert was anything more than an artist inspired by the dark and sadistic Ripper case. Despite Cornwell's efforts, the Walter the Ripper theory is widely condemned by serious Ripperologists. Um, I condemn this as well. Yeah. Um, this just sounds like this, what it is. This is just... This is this woman trying to be famous. Uh, more famous than she already is, but I mean, it's a this, it's a neat little theory. But the fact of the matter is, he's they, an artist. It's an artist. You're go. This information is coming secondhand from the man's son. Yeah. Who and also, in this kind of a case, where does what, what came first? This is a chicken egg thing. Did he get the inspiration because he participated in the murders, or did he just read a lot of sensationalized? Um, I mean, media, the news, the which we've already covered, yeah. that there was plenty of, and he just took his took his really big artistic liberties with it. I've never personally seen any of the the paintings of um, Sickard, but I mean, I find this very unlikely. And or, but more to the point, even if it was, this is this is the the poster child for speculation. This is you would it, who knows? I mean, this is like. Um, He's got decent paintings. Hmm. Oh. No, they're not bad. Good oil paintings. Yeah, so, but, no, I think this... I mean, I don't see any Jack the Ripper-esque stuff. I mean, there's some dark stuff here, but Mm. other than that, I mean, it's... It's a neat little theory. He he painted life. Like, there's one called uh, Off to the Pub. Oh, in 1911, so it, it he's painting life. Mm. So I I don't see it. Apparently, though, he painted Jack Ripper, Jack blah, 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 Jack the Ripper's bedroom. Yeah, he did mm. uh, in 1908, but he also stayed there. So I I don't believe. I don't. It. I think he just took a lot of artistic liberties and tried to shamelessly try to profit off Jack the Ripper. Yeah. Aaron Kosminski. 
one of the more plausible theories of yes. suspects that we have out there. He was born on September 11th, 1865, and died of natural causes at Leavesden Asylum on March 24th, 1919, at age 53. Police notes suggest Kosminski died soon after being committed. However, Aaron Kosminski lived until 1919. He and his family moved to London around 1881. He was a Jewish-Polish immigrant, working some of the some of the time as a hairdresser or barber in the Whitechapel area at the time of the Ripper killings. He has been suspected since the initial investigation and is mentioned in the Mac Memoranda. I'm not going to yeah, say his name. McNaughton. McNaughton? Yeah, McNaughton. Um, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Mac Memoranda. Yeah. The majority of police officials considered a Kosminski among their suspects, but it is unknown whether or not this was the same individual. Police records show that their suspect had both a hatred of women and homicidal tendencies. By 1890, Kosminski was first admitted to a London workhouse. On February 7, 1891, he was certified insane and taken to an asylum, apparently for threatening a woman with a knife. Kosminski possibly suffered from paranoid schizophrenia, experiencing hallucinations and a variety of unusual behaviors. Till 2007, there was no substantial evidence to suspect Kosminski, just the suspicions of senior officers. A shawl was purchased by a British author and ripperologist Russell Edwards at an auction in 2007. I remember this. The shawl is alleged to be lying on the ground near the body of Catherine Eddowes, Jack the Ripper's fourth victim. The shawl had been handed down by a senior officer's family until it was purchased at auction. It still contained traces of blood and other genetic material. Edwards contacted Dr. Jari Lawalainen from Liverpool John Moores University, who tested the shawl and formed a connection between distant Edo's and Kosminski descendants. While Kosminski was certainly mentally unwell and was present in Whitechapel during the time of the Ripper killings, um, in 1891 he was admitted to the asylum. He was described as peaceful. He was not considered a danger to others. He chose to speak exclusively Yiddish in the asylum, suggesting poor English skills. Um, this brings into question whether Kosminski had the violent tendencies that Jack the Ripper showed through the, his brutal slayings. The final Ripper killing took place in 1888. Kosminski was free for an additional three years. Um, I'm so going to go no. I don't think so. I mean, this is the most plausible um, but the the problem with the shawl is degradation of evidence. Yeah. So I mean, this was this happened in the 1800s. This shawl was tested again in 2007. Oh, there'd be nothing left. There, I yeah. mean, I would think there. I mean, there's still going to be stuff there, but the degradation of evidence. Um, I mean, typically, especially on cloth, the degradation would happen within 10 years. So, and you're looking well over a hundred years. Yeah. So, I, I don't, I don't believe it's him. Um, I mean, let, even putting the shawl aside for a moment here, I mean, Jack, the murders as we've, you've covered, so you always suggested somebody of, there was an intelligence behind it. Now, obviously, plenty of sk paranoid schizophrenics still have functioning parts of their brain, but my, I mean, if what he says way he's described is, is that he's fairly violent toward women and everything it'd be more even if let's say he did kill one of them it'd be more likely to find they'd be more likely to find him still at the scene of the crime oh, yeah. being a deranged psychopath or maybe still in the area this jack always struck me as somebody who knew is a hunter a predator he knew yeah. like get in kill 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 be as 
fulfill his needs, and then he would just get the hell out of there before the cops would get would get there. Yeah. So this, he he didn't. It never struck me as a, a cunning mind, as as it would say. He seems more of a, falls in the category of a deranged person. If he's a killer, he would be a deranged killer. I feel. Yeah. Prince Albert Victor. The least likely of these. Could the Whitechapel murderer have been a member of the royal family? (laughs) It's a radical idea that was first proposed in the latter half of the 20th century. Prince Albert Victor Christian Edward, the grandson of Queen Victoria, was the most famous of all the Ripper suspects. Called Eddie, the prince was reported to be rather dull and not overly bright, (laughs) as most royals. He would... (laughs) had he outlived his father, Edward VII, have been heir to the British throne. The prince died at the age of 28 of pneumonia. The prince was not considered a suspect at the time of the killings, but began to appear in books on Jack the Ripper after 1962, and more extensively after the publication of Dr. Thomas Stowell's article, A Solution. Stowell claimed to rely upon papers from the royal physician Sir Thomas Gull, who believe is another also a suspect. suspect. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe he's passing the blame. Yeah. It was a um, prince who did it, I tell you. Yeah. The article heavily implied Prince Albert Victor had committed the Ripper murders. Stowell claimed that the prince had contracted syphilis and became insane as a result of brain lesions associated with the disease. Stowell had also claimed that the cause of the prince's death was faked. However, Gold died prior to Prince Albert Victor. Royal records show that the prince was not present in London on the dates of the various Ripper killings. Grasping for any circumstantial evidence he could, Stowell compared the Ripper victim mutilations to the evisceration of deer shot by royals on their country estates. It's different. <laughs> Another writer called Frank Sparing expanded on this far-fetched concept with his book Prince Jack. But when British officials shruggingly allowed access to the royal archives... To test this theory of a cover-up, Spearing mysteriously didn't take them up on the offer. Because he knows bullshit. Yeah. He was waiting for them to say no, so he could say, oh, they're hiding something. Yeah. Smart on the Royals for this one. Yeah. Other Ripperologists have linked Prince Albert Victor to the Ripper killings in other ways. Some have suggested that James Stevens, the Prince's tutor at Cambridge, was the Ripper. Stevens suffered a traumatic brain injury in 1887, leading to madness. Uh, while they're are no known instances of violence, Stevens produced a number of poems that are quite violent toward women. It has been suggested that James Stevens and Prince Albert Victor had a romantic and sexual relationship, and at least one theory suggests that Prince Albert Victor was an accomplice to the crimes. As to James Stevens, he had no connections with the Whitechapel area and was never known to be violent. More extensive theories claim a royal conspiracy in which the Ripper killings were actually part of a cover-up of a royal scandal. That I could see. Mm. Prince Albert Victor also turns up in the most notorious theory of all, but as a hapless supporter, supporting player rather than the killer himself. The so-called royal conspiracy was popularized in Stephen Knight's 1976 book, Jack the Ripper, The Final Solution, and begins with Prince Albert Victor secretly falling in love with a common shop girl named Annie Crook. Utterly outraged, the royal family put a stop to the relationship with the royal physician... Dr. William Gull having Ann Crook certified insane and committed to an asylum. Then, according to the theory, a group of Annie's friends, Mary Ann Nichols, Annie Chapman, Elizabeth Stride, and Mary Jane Kelly, decided to blackmail the royal family, threatening to go public with the story. Thus, Sir William Gull, a man by now in his 70s and poor health, 
was dispatched by a royal decree to slaughter them all in a bizarrely ritualistic fashion. But what about Catherine Eddowes, Eddowes the fourth canonical victim? According to this theory, she wasn't one of the blackmailers, but was apparently killed due to mistaken identity. Prince Albert Victor could not, simply by virtue of his location, be the Ripper. You did a beautiful job at the end of describing the plot of From Hell. Exactly. So, there is a misconception that, again, the the, the graphic novel and the movie starring Johnny Depp and... Um, Heather Graham, great movie. I highly recommend it. I highly recommend the graphic novel. But there is a misconception that all the that the canonical five victims knew each other. Now, as it far as could they, be because they were all working girls. It, could, it is true, and but most they never. Likely, they did. Well, there's never been any evidence suggested they did. You're right in the sense it's plausible, but as far as I know, and I would have to confirm with our chief researcher. Um, that there, there is nothing that says they are there, that, yeah. they, that they do, but it's possible. In my belief, they would have because I mean, I've arrested a lot of prostitutes, and most of them know each other if you're in the same area in a big town, yeah, a big city. Let alone Whitechapel, they're going to know each other. It's possible, yeah, I, I agree. But at the same Plus, time, they protect each other. They mm. well try to protect each other. Mm, yeah, um, obviously. I'm pretty. I, can, I think I can speak for for Katie and myself. This is not a plausible theory. No. I mean, the it's, fact of the matter is that he's a prince of the realm. His 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 even back then his movements were monitored. I find it highly unlikely that the, that the hand the royal family handlers would go along with him butchering and killing women in Whitechapel, where there's a increased chance of him getting caught. I mean, plus, how do you I, if he's Listen, if he's gonna have prostitutes, they're coming to the castle. Exactly, and he's he probably get a chapel, and he's getting high end. Yeah, he's not getting. I mean, I'm, this isn't degrading these poor these poor women, but these no, were but not. He had, money. he had money. He could afford better classes of prostitutes. And honestly, he probably didn't need a prostitute. He could get anybody he wanted because he's rich. Yeah, I mean, not if he had syphilis. Um, he wouldn't have disclosed it. Yeah. Likely, it's not like now. Now, if you. He gets penicillin, you're fine. Well, now if you uh, don't, you legally have to disclose a sexual disease with a partner. Yeah. Um, because if they die from it, you can actually be... Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's murder. The, fair, the very famous case with the HIV one about that happened in the in the Buffalo area. I remember yeah. it was a huge thing. Um, <laughs> no, this one, obviously, I'm... I'm I think we firmly this didn't happen. Prince Albert didn't was not the Ripper. He was not an accomplice to the Ripper. He didn't he didn't secretly marry a shop girl. Um, and although from what I've heard of Queen Victoria and her when she got older, she was something of a, of a ruthless uh, character. Um, but so I wouldn't not put it past her. Not like this. Not like this. This is. I mean. There's just too many chances of, I mean, of, the, of a, a member, I cannot even imagine if a member of the royal family was caught doing something like this. I mean, it would, it quite literally would destroy the monarchy and just the very foundation of British society. Yeah. Um, so, William Henry Burry. He was born on May 25th, 1859 and died by being hanged in Dundee, Scotland for the murder of his wife, Ellen on April 25th, 1889, at the age of 29. First suspected in 1889 due to the similarities between his wife's murder and the canonical five Ripper victims. 
Although Burry was arrested and executed in Dundee, Scotland, he had been residing in Bow near Whitechapel during the three-month murder spree of Jack the Ripper. If you were to consider all 11 unsolved Whitechapel murders that took place between April 1888 and February 1891, Burry resided there from October 1887 to January 1889, placing him in the area at the appropriate time. It was reported that graffiti at his Dundee flat that said Jack the Ripper is at the back of this door and Jack Ripper is in the cellar was found leading some to believe that Ellen was murdered to prevent her from identifying Burry as Jack the Ripper. Although Burry pleaded not guilty to his wife's murder, two days before his execution, Burry confessed to a reverend that he had killed his wife, and at the urging of the reverend, he wrote a confession which he asked to be held back until after his execution. Burry confessed that he had strangled Ellen during a drunken row, uh, then had attempted to dismember her body for disposal, but was too squeamish to continue. Although his confession does not match expert testimony from the time, his confession just days before his death to a reverend that he asked to be held back until he was dead can be seen as a confession of his sins. He did not mention being Jack at any point during his confession, and during the Jack the Ripper investigation, a detective was set, sent to interview Burry and Dundee, and although he was investigated... Burry was not considered to be a viable suspect. He's not. It's not. No. He probably, if he did paint that down there, it was probably just some sick humor. Yeah. Montague John Druitt. If ever there was a British name, that's Montague. Montague. Um, Montague John Druitt was born on August 15th, 1857, and died in early December 1888 at the age of 31. He was found floating in the River Thames. Although there is very little, little evidence to implicate Druitt, he is considered by many to be the number one suspect in the case. The son of a medical practitioner, Druitt fit the, the assumption of the detectives at the time that due to the gruesome disembowelment and removal of organs, Jack the Ripper would have had skills of a physician or a butcher. The suspicion fell on Druitt after the memorandum of Mac who investigated the Ripper killings for Scotland Yard, became public. Max said about Druid, a doctor of about 41 years of age and of a fairly good family who disappeared at the time of the Miller's Court murder, whose body was found floating in the Thames on December 31st, i.e. seven weeks after the said murder. The body was said to have been in the water for a month or more. From private information, I have little doubt that his family suspected this man of being the Whitechapel murderer. It was alleged that he was sexually insane. Although Mac did not did incorrectly age Druid as 41, Druid was 31 at the time of his death, it was clear that Mac was implicating Druid due to the details of his suicide. His suicide and timing of this is the main reason that Druid is suspected. There's little to no evidence of Druid being the Ripper. Druid resided in Blackheath and had no connection to Whitechapel. His only connection to the Ripper case is made by Mac. Yeah, I... Grasping for straws. He really is. I think Mac, I think Mac was, he bit off more than he could chew. He's like, God damn it, I told these key guys I could, I would come up with something and I got yeah. shit for it. Let's just choose this random floating body. I was about to say, he's like... get his age wrong. Yeah, and it's like, well, yeah, oh yeah, 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 that guy, he's, his dad was a doctor. Yeah, good enough. Yeah. So, James Maybrick was born October 24th, 1838, and died on May 11th, 1889, at the age of 50. He died of suspected, suspected arsenic poisoning. 
His wife, Florence, was suspected of the poisoning and was arrested, convicted, then released on re-examination of her case. Maybrick was not considered a suspect at the time of the murder or even mentioned in the Ripper case until more than a century after his death. Not surprisingly, as he was a cotton merchant residing in Liverpool. Just a little bit away. Yeah. In 1992, maybe he walked there. <laughs> yeah. In 1992, a diary surfaced taking credit for slaying the five Ripper victims as well as two other murders. Although name is not mentioned in this diary, it was widely accepted due to references and hints throughout that this was Maybrick's diary. In 1993, a gentleman's pocket watch was discovered that had J. Maybrick's uh, scratched on the cover alongside the initials of all five Ripper victims in the words, I am Jack. The watch was made in 1847 or 1848, and testing has proved that the engraving outdated the vast majority of superficial surface scratches on the watch, and although the engraving cannot be conclusively proven, it is considered to be of substantial age. reason they did this is because they didn't want somebody to etch this on there and say, oh, hey, look what I found. Yeah. They dated it and showed that it dates to the right time period. Mm. The diary and watch are the only two connections to the Ripper murders. Although the watch has some credibility in regard to its authenticity, the diary evidence is surrounded in doubt. Firstly questioned was the discovery of the diary as the story changed from it being given to him by a friend to being handed down in his wife's family. The diary itself is a genuine Victorian scrapbook, but 20 pages have been torn out. The handwriting style has been questioned due to it seeming more than 20th century, more 20th century than Victorian, and the ink has been tested numerous times to no solid conclusion. Since the discovery of the diary and pocket watch, it is thought that his wife Florence had discovered that her husband was Jack the Ripper and decided to put an end to his life to stop the killings. However, this is a rumor and there's no evidence to support the theory. I think this is the closest. That diary's probably fake, but yeah. the, the watch is something. That That is the anomaly in this because obviously you can't deny science. Somebody... Somebody aged it, so, and the, the etching's right. It's right there. Yeah, but I said, I mean, the biggest hole in this, and I mean, this, is that he's in Liverpool. He's in Liverpool. That's a long ways away from Whitechapel. Exactly. Although, especially back then. Although, if he's a cotton merchant, he would have traveled. He would have traveled, but I sincerely doubt he's traveling by. He could. I mean, he could travel by ship with his cargo to the docks. But they typically wouldn't. They travel by. So that or by train, it, it's just easier. Oh yeah, to carry all their stuff, so they don't have to load it on and off a ship. Plus, it's cheaper. Plus, another big glaring hole is that is the wife. So let's say she did, she did discover the diary. She, let's say let's just for let's just jump, take a big, huge, giant leap of faith. Say that this this diary is real. He is Jack the Ripper, and she discovered this, and she killed him in order to. Get rid of Jack. Here's my question. Why, in the love of all things holy, did she not say, he's Jack the Ripper? Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is after, I mean, this was, he he was killed in 1889. This is fresh off the heels. Literally, when you are being tried for his murder, you could have said, hey, I killed him because he's Jack the the Ripper. Here's the evidence. And this is 1889. This is right on the heels of it. They would have been like, we got him. Yeah. I mean, the cops, the London police were desperate to, yeah. to, to say, would, this is they, it. Yeah, they would have. She would have, my gosh, she probably would have gotten a medal from the Queen. Yeah. 
for this. Uh, but so the, the fact that grandson, <laughs> yeah. Um, so the idea that this this is the big thing for me on this thing is the wife had the evidence that she's Jack, that he's Jack the Ripper and she does nothing about it yeah. and just hands it down to her family. Why keep it a secret? Why do anything? If for no other reason, get rich and famous off this. How many newspapers would have sold their souls for this? Yeah. Um, I, I think it's... Uh, the etching thing is the only thing that's a little odd, but I'm sure I'm sure if there was ever a reason for it and all of this can be... Everything else can be fake. It's yeah. I, I can't... Somebody, it's very plausible somebody buys a Victorian era. I can buy one right now. It's yeah, not hard. Exactly. So this is, this is not, this is false. Francis Tumblety was born sometime in 1833 and died of natural causes on May 28, 1903 in St. Louis, Missouri. At the age of 69 or 70. Uh, Tumblety was suspected of being Jack the Ripper at the time of the murders. He was arrested on November 7, 1888 on unrelated charges and released on bail. Knowing that he was considered a suspect in the Ripper murders, Tumblety fled back to the U.S. via France. There's a rumor that Scotland Yard tried to extradite him, but New York City police said there's no proof of his complicity in the Whitechapel murders and the crime for which he is under bond in London is not extraditable. It doesn't seem clear why Tumblety was a suspect at the time, apart from his previous criminal record and his misogyny. His appearance was not similar to the description of any of the eyewitness testimonies, and there's no concrete evidence he even visited Whitechapel. It is claimed that Tumblety collected uteri, but this allegation was made by an unreliable witness who was a known practical joker, and the allegation had not been made after the press linked Tumblety to the murders. This isn't him. No. It makes no sense. They just found a they just found a criminal, and they were just trying to pin it. Joseph Barnett was born sometime in 1858. Died of natural causes at 68 or 69 years old on November 29, 1926. Joseph has one of the strongest motives of all the Ripper suspects. He lived with Mary Kelly, the last of five Ripper victims. He was rumored to have been in love with Mary Kelly and was fed up with her prostituting herself to other men. He believed he could support her and did so for a while until he lost his job in June 1888. Mary Kelly then returned to prostitution. It is thought that Barnett had tried to scare Kelly away from this line of work through the Ripper murders but did not succeed. Ten days before her death, Barnett and Kelly had an argument which resulted in Barnett moving out of the property. Mary Kelly was found brutally murdered in her bed in a locked room. It was the most brutal of the canonical five murders and was the only one that did not take place on the street. It was also the last which would explain why the killing ceased after her murder. Its physical description and appearance also fits the number of eyewitness reports. There's no evidence of him being Jack the Ripper. And although Barnett uh, fits the FBI profile and physical description, there's no evidence just a strong motive for the murders, which is all speculation. This to me, this is a he, he's is very plausible. He is the strongest of them all. Like I would, I would believe this if I got just a fraction of evidence. I, I, I definitely, go for it. I would definitely be bringing him in. If he had that fucking watch, it'd be done. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, it makes it makes the most sense. He's living with this woman who he loved. He's sick of her prostituting. So he scares her by killing everybody else first, killing people that she possibly knows, 
and like, oh, hey, maybe if she sees these prostitutes dying, she'll stop prostituting and I'll win her back. And then she finally doesn't listen and he moves out right before she dies so that he can't be implicated in this murder. It, 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 it makes the most sense. It does. I mean, like you said, at, at the very least, I'd be bringing them in and I'd be sweating them. Oh, yeah. I mean, because there's two, there's just one too many coincidences. It's a, I feel it's a bit of a stretch. It, it's a bit. Of, it's got to take a really sick, twisted mind to just go out and randomly kill people. But, but people have done it. Oh, I know. I mean, people kill people just because they yeah. feel like it. Yeah. This one actually has some motivation behind it. True. Very so, true. So, I mean, every other serial killer just kills because <laughs> or, it feels good. Yeah. Or the, this one it at least has some kind of motivation. So, I, to me, this is the most plausible. So, out of this whole list so far, yes. This yeah. is definitely the most plausible. Francis Spurzheim Craig. Francis Craig is a recent addition to a list of Ripper suspects. Craig, a reporter and journalist, was certainly present at the Ripper inquest, but a 2015 book suggests that he was, in fact, Jack the Ripper. In 1884, Craig married Elizabeth Weston Davies, but only months after the wedding, it became clear that Weston Davies was a prostitute. How do you not know that? I am sorry, but how do... I don't know. <laughs> okay. According to the author, good reporter. yeah. According to the author, Win Weston Davies, oh, in his 2015 book, so this would be an ancestor. Yeah. The real Mary Kelly, Elizabeth Weston Davies, left her husband and went into hiding in Whitechapel under the name Mary Kelly. Oh. Craig followed her into Whitechapel and took lodgings near where the murders took place. Weston Davies suggests that Craig killed the other prostitutes to cover up his real plan and intent to murder his wife. Divorce papers certainly support the idea that Elizabeth Weston Davies left her husband and was a prostitute. That's on the divorce papers. Craig was a journalist and could have written the well-known Ripper letters and would likely have opted to send them out as the Ripper did. However, these letters are widely thought to be a hoax. Several years after the Ripper killings, Craig committed suicide, leaving a note that stated he had experienced great pain. He killed himself by slitting his own throat with a razor, although it took four days for him to die after being found by his landlady. Jesus, what did he do? Just lay there? He's like, any minute now. Gargling with gargling his own blood. Jesus. The British courts have granted the author and descendant of Elizabeth Weston Davies permission to exhume the body of Mary Jane Kelly for DNA testing. Mary Jane Kelly was really Elizabeth Weston Davies. This would provide potential evidence for Craig's motive. That said... The author, when Weston Davies, fails to successfully argue his case, providing no clear link between Elizabeth Weston Davies and Mary Jane Kelly. I very like, very much like to see that. This is plausible. It, it's another it, plausible one. I'd very much like to see that DNA test. Yeah, this sounds like because if if they DNA test this author against the body of Mary Jane Kelly and there is familial matches. Then it's it's plausible. I'd be very interested to read this because obviously this book's the real Mary Kelly, mostly because without obviously I'm I, I'm hoping that um, the author the author has more more evidence that suggests the link that that um, Elizabeth Winston Davies went under the alias Mary Kelly because with unless there's other evidence like something else there, this sounds like something that. 
a story that's passed down through a family. Yeah. Oh, you know, they, the grandma tells a story about her her grandmother's grandmother that that this is how this is the true story. Whether that's actually true or not is an entirely different thing. I would, if there's a DNA thing, I hope this person has that the author has checked the DNA evidence of it because if it is, it's a lot of credibility with it. Yeah. Um, but as said, there's it's an interesting theory, but there's no evidence for it though, as of right now. But it would be an interesting one because, although I mean, good lord, how do you marry somebody not know that they're a prostitute? That's what that's what I'm getting. It's like how did, a journalist doesn't realize his own wife is not. What what did she tell him? It was his her job was. Yeah. Oh, love! Um, I I I work nights. Uh, doing what? Hospitality. That's <laughs> Hold on, I'm looking to see if they actually did it. Um, wow, Wayne Weston Davies is also a surgeon. Oh. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, oh, so it's, they have not done it because, um, they don't know where her grave is. Well... So that's a little sad. Basically, you would have to excavate an entire area, potentially hundreds of graves. Oh yeah, I'm not doing that because there are so many Kellys there, um, and it's not like Mary Kelly is a very common name. So that's, probably, yeah. that's why they have. We have not heard anything. Also, um, the fact um, since Mary Kelly was a prostitute, she would have been dumped. She yeah, they, and she probably didn't. Um, Probably didn't have any family. They claimed a body and can't afford to um, bury her. She got Polly got put into a potter's field, so which yeah. is usually just a, it's a nice way of saying it's a mass grave. Yeah. So yeah, this would be a uh, yeah. They're not unfortunately. It's again. So this is going to be in the realm of speculation. Francis Ferdinand Feigenbaum in April eighteen ninety six. Carl Ferdinand Frankenbaum was executed at Sing Sing Ooh. in New York. Upon leaving the execution, his attorney, William S. Lawton, stated that he believed Feigenbaum to have been Jack the Ripper. Evidence about Feigenbaum's life is quite minimal, and he often lied to police. He was German-born and worked as a sailor for much of his life. He may or may not have been married and had children. He arrived in the U.S. in the early 1890s and killed his landlady, Miss Juliana Hoffman, in 1894. He was put to death for Hoffman's murder. According to Lawton, Feigenbaum had confessed a desire to mutilate and kill every woman he saw. Lawton stated that Feigenbaum put on an act of insanity or mental weakness regularly and had confirmed that he was in London on the dates of at least two of the Ripper killings. Lawton's co-counsel disagreed with Lawton's belief that Feigenbaum was the Ripper. Author Trevor Marriott reinvestigated Carl Ferdinand Feigenbaum in his 2005 book, Jack the Ripper, The 21st Century Investigation. Marriott believed that the killer was a seaman, sailing into port, killing, and leaving rapidly. He goes on to connect a number of other Ripper-like murders in Europe and the Americas, noting that the murders ceased after Feigenbaum's execution. While Feigenbaum was witness killing Hoffman, the evidence that he was Jack the Ripper is quite scarce. 
It's unclear if he even spoke English well, and there's no confirmation that he was present for the Ripper killings or any possible linked killings. Marriott's attempt to link together a range of murders produces several clear challenges, including logistics and evidence of other motives or actions. Some of the murders listed were not, in fact, murders, but accidental deaths or clear crimes of passion. Not him. No. Again, this is the sailor theory, as they said. Always going by the docks, but yeah. if you can't, no, he, no, I don't think so either. Just because you have a desire to kill people and kill women, which Sometimes is bad. Sometimes I have a desire to kill people. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, Francis Thompson, English poet Francis Thompson, has also been considered as a possible suspect in the Ripper killings. Thompson was first identified as a suspect in 1986 in an article written by an American pathologist. More recently, author Richard Patterson has worked to elaborate on this theory. At the time of the Ripper killings, Thompson was a failed medical student having attended medical school for some six years. While he did poorly on exams, according to his family, he was enthusiastic about dissection and anatomy. He was addicted to opium and, by this time, largely living on the streets in Spittle Fields, very near where Mary Kelly was found. He had an unsuccessful relationship with an East End prostitute and may have known Mary Kelly. Thompson was a devout Catholic, having tried unsuccessfully to be a priest. All the Ripper killings occurred on specific Saints Day uh, in the Catholic calendar, and the police believe the killer was likely Catholic. Thompson certainly did have an interest in killing and mutilating women, was in the area, and was controlled, and his movements limited not long after the final murder. He had both the interest in Catholicism and medical training suspected of the Ripper, he was known to carry a knife in his coat. While there's no hard proof of Thompson's guilt, he does not meet the criteria for a viable suspect in the crime, and there's no evidence that clearly eliminates Thompson from the possible sus- suspect list. Now, to me, this this guy would be a strong one. At least one someone to watch. Oh, yeah. Because there's definitely that Catholic shame, and then there's the the cursory medical knowledge like as we've seen um sir bond um thomas bond right yes. yeah that's just thomas bond sorry james um, bond yes um sir thomas bond said that the person did this in his opinion didn't have the, the adequate medical knowledge to do this it's now it was thomas bond. yeah it was thomas bond um but yeah but if it's in fact Francis Thompson, who is a failed medical student, who while while he, he could be very interested in anatomy, but if he doesn't know what the heck he's doing, it would it might account for um, why everything was so savagely done, savagely done. But again, I mm, I don't know. He he really always stuck out to me as one that's like I I would be very interested in him. Lewis Carroll. Perhaps the most unlikely suspect to be seriously proposed is Charles Dodgson, or more well-known as Lewis Carroll, author of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. Rumors have always swirled about his friendship with the real-life Alice and his possible pedophilic tendencies. Mm -hmm. But in the 1990s, a man named Richard Wallace took things further with a book, Jack the Ripper, Lighthearted Friend, which fingered Carroll as a horrible way to say that finger Carol as the Ripper. The evidence? Apparently Carol confessed everything through hidden anagrams in his writing. Oh, God. 
Wallace took passages by Carol and rejigged the letters to spell out phrases like I got a tight hold of her and slit her throat. Trouble is, you can do the same with any piece of writing. As one withering reviewer of Wallace's book showed by rejigging Winnie the Pooh, Winnie the Pooh to prove A.A. A. Milne was the real killer. Historians have dismantled this argument, obviously. Yeah. This is this... absolutely idiotic. Like, he may not have been a good person. Definitely a strange strange character, to say the least, but yeah, he, he didn't do this. Was Jack the Ripper, really, Jill the Ripper? Now, I wanted to be no, I didn't even, as much as I'm a True Cry fan, until I saw my wife typing this up, I didn't even know that this theory existed, so this is interesting to me. This strange theory goes right back to the early days of the case, with Inspector Averleen himself pondering the possibility after Mary Kelly's murder. A witness claimed to have spotted a woman wearing a shawl out and about hours after her apparent time of death. The idea was eventually popularized in a 1939 book called Jack the Ripper, A New Theory. It argued that a woman, perhaps a mad midwife, would be able to wander about in the small hours without arousing too much suspicion, even if she was splattered with blood. This midwife could also have had the anatomical knowledge to carry out the mutilations. A potential quote-unquote Jill was even named Mary Piercy who was convicted and executed for savagely murdering a woman or a child in 1890. Now, Lizzie Williams. While most Ripper theories point directly toward male suspect, John Morris's Jack the Ripper, the hand of a woman, suggests a very different suspect profile and suspect. Lizzie Williams was the wife of an obstetrician and abortionist, Sir John Williams. Her husband has also been suggested as a possible Ripper subject. Morris's evidence for a female Ripper is relatively scarce. Points out that none of the Ripper victims were raped and suggests that the positioning of their possessions was feminine. Buttons from a woman's boot were found near one of the victims and burnt female clothing was found in the fire where Mary Kelly was found. These items have not been connected to any of the victims. Morris suggests a personal link, believing that Sir John Williams was having an affair with Mary Kelly. According to Morris, Lizzie had a nervous breakdown not long after the last murder. Murder does not happen without motive. Lizzie's only possible motive, suggested Morris, was her own infertility. He connects her infertility to the removal of the uterus in three of the Ripper victims. Most Ripper scholars do not believe the crimes were committed by a woman. In addition, modern profilers believe the killer was male. Women who care rarely do so with this degree of extreme violence. Uh, poisoning is far more common. While the victims were not raped, Jack the Ripper has been widely thought to have been a sexual sadist taking pleasure in his acts, particularly mutilation, like I have said. Mm -hmm. There are a number of other issues with the Lizzie Williams theory. As a woman of the upper classes, Lizzie Williams had limited personal freedoms and certainly lacked the freedom to wander around Whitechapel in the wee hours of the morning. She had no medical training. There is, in fact, no reason to suggest or believe that Lizzie Williams had the ability or access to be Jack the Ripper. I think, personally, I agree with that. I don't think... I think the... And I, and I was, again, talking to my wife Pam about this. Um, it certainly most suggests that it was the Jack the Ripper couldn't have been a woman because, again, the status, even today, is that... The, the brutality and the viciousness and the savagery of this is just a male. And certainly women and serial killers that there have been don't usually do this. They poison, they stab, Correct. or they 
as well with uh, another famous female serial killer that we'll, we will be covering, Eileen Warnos. She shot her victims. Correct. Women don't get up there. But, as, I've, as, I, as I pointed out, it only takes one to go over that edge. Now, and, and but as Kate pointed, I think pointed out before we started this, um, if it would, a man would have been more easily able to um, overpower these victims and do what they need to do because there really wasn't much sign of a struggle, especially and, and despite where I think these women were intoxicated when they were killed. Um, he it probably there is a good chance that another woman would have fought another woman despite their levels of sobriety. I mean, I think it's a very intriguing possibility. A midwife would, like you said, would be there. Midwives, even back, were back then, were kind of like a poor man's doctor. They had they a lot of them surprisingly had a lot of knowledge on the human anatomy, especially female reproductive parts. And they often had a lot of more, they had a lot of medical knowledge that often would surprise you'd be surprised. So I think the idea is intriguing that you know a crazed midwife or something was um, running loose and could have killed Jet Ben Jill the Ripper, but there's no evidence to suggest it. So this one is probably false, but it's an intriguing one. I'm surpri- I wouldn't be surprised if, if someone tries to. Ooh, I just had an idea for a book. I have to write that down later. Nobody steal this. Um, so uh, the last we're gonna we're gonna end with three DNA theories: um, Walter Sickert's, uh, Aaron Kosminski, and um, and and and. Sorry, actually, I think just two. Just those two. Yeah, the one that we have DNA evidence on. Sorry, our researcher and the person who keeps the show running together is not here today. (laughs) So, Walter Sickert. In 2002, crime novelist Patricia Cornwell published her own take on Jack the Ripper. In Portrait of a Killer, Jack the Ripper case closed, Cornwell argued that the serial killer called Jack the Ripper was painter Walter Sickert. Sickert had been connected to the case by two earlier authors in 76 and 1990, uh, either as the killer or an unwilling accomplice. Cornwell uh, relied heavily on Sickert's art to support her argument, believing that his work is clearly misogynistic. I don't... makes no sense to me, because literally one of his pictures is called The Siesta. Mm -hmm. It's a picture of a woman sleeping. So... Sexism. Yeah. She suggested that he was sexually impotent following a surgery to correct a medical condition involving his penis. I don't know how she knows this. That's what I, this sounds. This suggestion sounds like somebody spread a rumor about him, or it sounds like she's a feminist. Or I would very much like to know how this. Yeah, I would yeah. like to know. Like, how'd you know? The evidence cited by Cornwell to support sexual impotence could refer to an anal fistula leaving his penis intact. A falling out with artist James Abbott McNeil Whistler may have, according to Cornwell, triggered the killings. In addition, she believed that the Ripper letters were authentic and sent by the Ripper and used these to provide evidence for Sickert's guilt. She has since claimed to have linked paper used in the Ripper letters to paper purchased by Sickert's mother and claims a mitochondrial DNA link to Sickert in the stamp from one of the letters. Mitochondrial DNA provides a relatively minimal link 
several million people in Britain at the time have the same mitochondrial DNA profile. There are many questions about Sigurd's potential role in the killings, but many historians of the Ripper murders disagree with Cornwell's theory. It is widely believed that the Ripper letters were hoaxes and not sent by the killer. Sigurd certainly had access to the reports of the Ripper killings, which could have inspired his paintings. There is significant evidence to suggest that Sigurd was not in England at the time of four of the five killings, was, but was abroad in France. While Cornwell presents an interesting argument, if Sigurd wasn't in England, he couldn't have been the Ripper. Um, it is possible that the Ripper killings inspired his art, or even that he was in some way involved in the Ripper letters. I think he was more just inspired and yeah. just profited off of it. Be amazed at what we as artists, whether painting, writing, all of that, what we get inspired by. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, stuff is simple. Uh, somebody, uh, one of my friends wrote a uh, thing for school about uh, art, and it inspired me to write a entire book series. I so, literally just got inspired for another yeah. uh, crime novel just by one of the theories in here. So, um, Aaron Kaczynski. Scientists claim it's the best evidence to date, but critics are skeptical. Forensic scientists say they have finally figured out the identity of Jack the Ripper, the notorious serial killer who terrorized the streets of London more than a century ago. Genetic tests point to Aaron Kosminski, a 23-year-old Polish barber. This isn't the first time Kosminski has been linked to the crimes, but it is the first time the supporting DNA evidence has been published in a peer-reviewed journal. Police, who had worked the case at the time of the murders, would not have been surprised to see Kosminski's name linked to the crime. At the time of the murders, Kosminski was among the handful of primary suspects. The youngest of seven children, he was born in Klodowa, Poland, in 1865. After the death of his father, the family fled to the pogroms, flamed by Poland's Russian rulers, and immigrated to London's Whitechapel section in 1881. Likely as paranoid schizophrenic, Kosminski, whose occupation was listed as hairdresser, was admitted into an asylum in 1891 after attacking his sister with a knife. In the mid-1890s, a witness identified him as the person attacking one of the victims, but refused to testify. Lacking any hard evidence, police never arrested Kisminski for the crimes. He remained institutionalized until his death in 1919 from gangrene. In the early morning hours of September 30, 1888, police discovered the mutilated body of Catherine Eddowes. Her throat slit and left kidney removed in London's Mitre Square. Eddowes had been the second prostitute inside of an hour found in that section of the city, and the slang bore the grisly signatures of the serial killer who, for weeks had been terrorizing London's East End Jack the Ripper. As police from Scotland Yard completed their work, Acting Sergeant uh, Amos Simpson reportedly made an odd request to take home a blood-splattered shawl, blue and dark brown, with pattern of uh, Michael Moss daisies at either end, found at the crime scene as a gift for a seamstress wife. The hell? Yeah. His superiors granted permission, but... Unsurprisingly, the present was not well received. Jesus Christ. Here, honey, this was at a brutal killing. I thought it would look good on you. Somebody S- slept on the couch. Simpson's horrified wife stashed the seven-foot-long fabric found next to Jack the Ripper's fourth victim in a box. It was never worn or washed. Some critics refute the notion that Simpson was even at the crime scene the night of the Edo's murder and not that the shawl may have been contaminated over the decades since it had been held by many members of the Edo's family. Yeah. 
The Victorian era shawl reportedly taken by Simpson passed from generation to generation of the policeman's descendants until it was put up for auction in 2007 and purchased by Russell Edwards, an English businessman and self-confessed armchair detective who was fascinated by the coldest of cold cases. Although the silk fabric was frayed and aging, it still contained valuable DNA evidence since it was never washed. Other critics of the Kosminski theory have pointed out that there's no evidence the shawl was ever at the crime scene. It also could have become contaminated over the years, they say. Russell Edwards enlisted forensic geneticist Dr. Jari uh, Luhalainen of Liverpool John Moores University in 2011 to study the shawl using a level of analysis that was only possible in the last decade. Uh, Luhalainen identified the dark splotches on the shawl as stains consistent with arterial blood splatter caused by slashing. He also discovered evidence of split body parts consistent with kidney removal as well as the presence of seminal fluid. Don't know. Um, he found mitochondrial DNA taken from Karen Miller, direct descendant of Eddowes, as well as female descendant of Kazminsky's sister Matilda, who provided swamps of mitochondrial DNA from the inside of her mouth. And what he and his colleague David Miller, a reproduction and sperm expert at the University of Leeds in the UK, claimed is the most systematic and most advanced genetic analysis to date regarding Jack the Ripper murders. They describe extracting and amplifying the DNA from the shawl. The test compared fragments of the mitochondrial DNA inherited only from one's mother retrieved from the shawl with samples taken from living descendants of Eddowes and Kosminski. The DNA matches that of living relatives of Kosminski, they concluded in the Journal of Forensic Sciences. The analysis also suggests the killer had brown hair and brown eyes, which agrees the evidence from an eyewitness. These characteristics are surely unique. The authors admit in their paper, but blue eyes are now more common than brown in England, the researchers note. The results are unlikely to satisfy critics. Key details on the specific genetic variants identified and compared between DNA samples are not included in the paper. Instead, the authors represent them in a graphic with a series of colored boxes. Where the boxes overlap, they say the Shaw and Modern DNA sequences matched. The authors say in their paper that the Data Protection Act, a UK law designed to protect the privacy of individuals, stops them from publishing the genetic sequences of the living relatives of Eddowes and Kosminski. The graphic in the paper, they say, is easier for non-scientists to understand, especially those interested in true crime. Walter Parson, a forensic scientist at the Institute of Legal Medicine in Innsbruck Medical University in Austria, says mitochondrial DNA sequences pose no risk to privacy and the authors should have included them in the paper. Otherwise, the reader cannot judge the results. I wonder where science and research are going when we start to avoid showing results but instead present colored boxes, he said. Mm -hmm. Hansi Weisensteiner, sorry, I didn't say that right. Hansi Weisensteiner. An expert in mitochondrial DNA analysis, which he says can only reliably show that people or two DNA samples are not related. Quote, based on mitochondrial DNA, one can only exclude a suspect, end quote. In other words, the mitochondrial DNA from the Shaw could be from Kosminski, but it could probably also come from thousands who lived in London at the time. Mm-hmm. Russell Edwards has long theorized that the shawl was of too fine quality to have been worn by a London prostitute and belonged to Jack the Ripper, not Eddowes. 
using nuclear magnetic resonance, another Liverpool John Moores University scientist, Dr. Fiaz Ismail, determined that the fabric's age predated the 1888 murders and was likely made in, near St. Petersburg, Russia. The region of Poland where Kazminsky was born was under Russian control and would not have been unusual for Russian goods to have been traded there. Russell says that Jack the Ripper's true identity has been found interwoven in a ragged shawl, and he fingers Polish immigrant Aaron Kazminsky as a serial killer in his book naming Jack the Ripper. Quote, I've spent 14 years working on it, and we have definitely solved the mystery of who Jack the Ripper was. End quote. Edwards told London's independent newspaper in 2014 or 2019. Only non-believers that want to perpetuate the myth will doubt. This is it. Now we have unmasked him. But critics say the evidence isn't strong enough to declare the, declare the case closed. Yeah, I could say that reasonably. I, 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 this is this goes back to the diary. Like we found the other suspect. This is very convenient that a police. Now, don't get me wrong. There's plenty of evidence. Of policemen stealing evidence and keeping them as souvenirs to, you know, say, hey, look, this was, this was yeah, my but link. not something that's going to link you to the killer, possibly. Yeah, well, you'd be surprised. Um, there was, uh, there was one case where, um, I think it was, I saw, I, Edgar Mevers, um, Edgar Mevers, uh, killer, um, the, in the 1950s or 60s, um, civil rights activist, he was killed by a man, and, uh, the rifle that was used to kill him was actually taken by a judge that was a specter in the case, and he just mine. And the prosecutor found it, found it in the guy's study as after the judge had died. So um, it's very possible that he just took it, but DNA degrades, as you said, and I just find it very convenient that they have these things and. As they say, the mitochondrial DNA is not evidence that suggests that, yep, that's him. He did yeah. it. I was like, no, that just... That's how you get rid of suspects. Yeah, so... I I don't think, as I said before, I don't think Kaminsky did it. If he did it, he would have been... They would have caught him already, because this is not a cunning mind. This is somebody who is, at best, something of a deranged, a deranged mind given the paranoid schizophrenia schizophrenia so yeah. um, i think um pretty bold statement for mr mr russell there to uh to be claiming yep case closed i saw it anybody who does it is just uh just somebody can't accept that we solved it it's like no we really haven't so to wrap up um out of all the people we listed i think joseph barnett is the most plausible um with uh, killing all of these to get his the love of his life to stop prostituting then leaves the house then she is murdered in the locked room in the most brutal way in the room he would have been in it makes the most sense and then the killing stop after her why did he stop? The rumor was he got arrested, he died, something like that. But could it have been that he finally killed the person he intended to kill? 
or be, or more importantly, maybe he did not intend to kill her. And he, when he finally confronted her, all these people have died, Mary. What? Just give it up. Come away with me. And she basically told him to bugger off, and he, and, and he just lost it. Yeah. Um. I think he's the most plausible. He's definitely a plausible one. My personal theory. I don't think they the of all these theory, these persons here. While I do agree, Barnett is the more is a top candidate. I don't think they know who he did it in the sense of he's not one of the named ones. He's a ghost. <laughs> yeah. No, I. My theory is that Barnett. Oh, not Barnett. Jack the Ripper, as he was, was probably somebody who I kind of agree with Sir Thomas Bond that he probably wasn't a doctor, like an actual medically trained doctor. He was probably somebody, a tradesman, somebody who lived in the Whitechapel area or, or or the East End in general, somewhere where he could blend in. Because the idea of a, and this was perpetuated in the media, the top hat, frock coat wearing killer running around the East End with a knife, you know, killing people, somebody would say something. Somebody's going to say something. Somebody's going to say, hey, there's a there's somebody from not this area going around killing people. You need to stop them. As much as they distrusted cops and hated cops back then, somebody would say something. If nothing more to the Vigilance Committee. So, I mean, it, he could have been a vet. He, a veterinarian. I, a veterinarian? You know what? Yeah. I would even go so far as to say maybe he was an army veteran. Yeah, that too, but veterinarians were pretty common back then because they were taking care of horses mostly. Horses, animal, anything. Because horses were obviously the crucial for transportation but um, and for those doubting that the Royal Veterinary College was founded in 1791 Mm, um, and is in the UK which is one of the it's one of the biggest veterinary colleges in the world. Oh, yes. So it, it could very well have been a vet. It could have been. Um, um, it could have been a vet vet, a military vet. I mean... Somebody who it would definitely... It, it would account for the brutality, the... Somebody... As some of these suspects have seen, they're, not, they're kind of squeamish. Somebody who worked with... Who was around death, who saw death, who dealt out death, or somebody maybe in the me- in the Royal Medical Corps could have done it. Maybe, and then, um, but one theory, one part of this theory that I think, and I'm, I'm really shocked, and I, and I did my own research on top, not just, and on top of, you know, Pam doing it as well, I, I truly believe that Jack was probably staking out the pubs in the, in the, in the Whitechapel area, and picking these women as they were getting, leaving the pubs at night. Maybe looking for the ones, and I think you even posted, even put out a even better one. Maybe it was a bartender. Yeah. Because he would have been, he could have been the one dealing out the drinks and intoxicating them, and then following, following them, following them, I mean, and leaving them. He's he is as a bartender. You're the one listening to everybody's woes. You're the one that everybody talks to about everything. So you, so they would know. Okay, she doesn't have anybody there. She's down her luck. She's just scraping by. No one will miss her. And without toxicology reports, they had they didn't have them back then. We have no we have no way of knowing whether they were drunk, sober, high, whatever. I personally think whoever Jack, he, whatever Jack's profession, is undetermined. Maybe he has medical training. Maybe he doesn't. Is he good with the knife, or does he not, or whatever? We'll not really know that. 
but I think he was he was hanging out at the bars, finding his victims, and the only and probably if the London police if they didn't do it they should have done it more they should have been hanging out at every pub watching every guy leaving to go with a prostitute yeah. these women didn't hide it prostitution wasn't like you said we said it in the it's beginning not, of this it wasn't illegal as long as, I mean, long as it, it, it was illegal but it wasn't at the same time so and these police would have known who most of the prostitutes were or at least could spot them so i mean the i mean if we go a little closer to us eileen warnos was a bartender Oh, she, I thought she was just a drifter. She worked at bars. Wherever she settled, she would work at bars. So it, it's not uncommon. So that's my theory. I don't know what Jack's profession was. I, I don't think he was a doctor, at least not a medically trained one, because uh, most, of those, most of those types were usually upperclassmen and upper-class society people. They're not going down to Whitechapel. Yeah. At least, at least not without attracting some attention. Somebody would see something. Whoever Jack was, he lived in Whitechapel, and probably, I, um, probably was known to the police. They just didn't connect him. Yeah. Well, that is going to end our time for Jack the Ripper. We will be back next week with some interesting topics we've got a nice interesting set of topics coming up um yeah so we want to thank you for visiting the scarlet tavern remember to turn in your glasses push in your seat and as always tip the bard good night everybody good night